light all you want. That's fine. Okay. That works. Yeah, that's good. That's groovy. Hey, everybody. Happy Saturday. What is going on with my friends out there? All across the country and all across the world. It is humid in some places. It's not humid here in Phoenix. It's like 110 degrees last night. Uh, I went to bed. My garage is on fire. It's like it never gets below 100 anymore in the summertime. It's just, it's just always hot. Uh, yeah, fun times. Uh, let me see. This is out on Facebook. Hola, chica. What's going on? Hey, from Detroit. All right. So I gotta figure out how I can. Oh, there's Kazuko. Good evening, Kazuko. Debbie Stroh is on here. Tony is on. Hey, Tony. Long time no here. Greetings from South Africa. Glad everyone is able to make it today. Uh, you had a you had a dream that you met Trump last night. Wow, that's cool. I had a dream where General Flynn appeared in my dream last night. It was very interesting. Uh, I'm not sure how much I can say about it, but it was uh, it was it was interesting. I've had this recurring kind of a dream re regarding a place I used to work at, and last night. Uh, General Flynn, uh, I went back to this place where I worked at, and General Flynn was actually working there too. It was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, I am back, and I'm sorry for last month I screwed up. I forgot to post the live stream on Twitter last month. Um, Andrea was nice enough to point out the failure that she's like, you had a really low follower or viewer count on your stream. Did you know that you didn't put it out on Twitter? And I was like, um, I actually didn't know that. <laughs> So, I messed up. My bad. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. Adrian is on. All right. Hey from Buffalo. No Cal. So, in case you're wondering why I've called you here, <laughs> we are continuing our journey through my book, Hearing God's Voice Made Simple. And today... We are going to explore chapter number 11, which is how God speaks to us through dreams. One of my favorite subjects. Yay! All right. So, uh, I find dreams fascinating. Now, full disclosure, um, I, for the first, gosh, let's see. For the first eight years that I was a Christian, I didn't have dreams. I got. I became a, a Christian in 2000, and then I had my first dream in 2008. And actually, from the time I was probably 21 through the time I was like 45, I never had dreams. Just didn't have them. And it wasn't that I had a dream and I didn't remember it. I just never had dreams at all <laughs> for like 25 years. Uh, it was just, I had dreams when I was a kid, and I remembered a lot of the dreams when I was a kid. But... There was a span of about 25 years where I did not have any dreams at all. It was just kind of strange. And then in 2008, that lady over there, my wife, she goes to this dream interpretation workshop that was held by a friend of ours, Melody Pash. And Melody does uh, dream interpretation, biblical dream interpretation. She teaches dream interpretation, um, and she's been studying it for a long time. Very prophetic person. Anyway, she was teaching this class, uh, this workshop, and Denise comes home from the workshop and says, uh, hey, it was a great, great workshop. Learned a lot. And she said, you know, Melody said we can pray for people who are not having dreams, and, and they'll have dreams. And I was like, well, I haven't had dreams in forever. And she said, well, I'm going to pray for you. So Denise prayed for me that night. And that night I had a dream. Uh, I met God <laughs> in the dream. <laughs> I just he was talking to me and I was talking to him he's mostly he was talking to me uh, very interesting experience um, that was when God told me I want you to pray for your patients and when you do I'll heal them and that was kind of the start of my um, my life with dreams and visions I went through a period of about a year after that 
Where holy moly, I was having dreams. Sometimes I'd have 10 dreams a night. And sometimes I'd wake up from a dream and I'd be in a vision. <laughs> We'd just be seeing things in a vision in front of me. It was pretty wild and pretty crazy. Um, that first year or two, 2008, 2009, 2010, things started to tame down a little bit after that. But uh, I, I find dreams just to be just fascinating. Um, I've had a lot of very interesting dreams in the last two years. A lot of dreams about President Trump, a lot of dreams about Q and Q's operation, a few dreams about General Flynn. Uh, I have dreams about things that are probably going to happen. Like, good example, two weeks ago I had a dream where the um, in the dream I just knew that the cancel culture, this whole movement of with Black Lives Matter and people, you know, I have a lot of younger friends who have co-workers and friends or relatives who are following this Black Lives Matter thing. And they're finding out if you do not go in lockstep with them on Black Lives Matter, if you don't, if you're not loud and vocal and protesting with them and in agreement with them on everything, they will unfriend you. You no longer exist. You're, an, you're persona non grata. They won't talk to you. They won't email you. They won't call you. They won't text you. You're done. If you do not agree with them 100% on this issue, you're, you're toast. They write you off. You're canceled. And that's kind of this cancel culture thing. And a lot of people are going, are experiencing relationship problems through this. So in this dream, I saw this cancel culture thing and it was going, it was backfiring. There were all kinds of people leaving the, the progressive Democrat liberal uh, ideology and movement. And they were coming over to support Trump and MAGA because they were fed up with cancel culture. They were just done with it. They were, they were like, we're not going to take this kind of abuse. We're not going to be marginalized and become a non-person simply because we don't agree with you on every single point. And that was a dream that I had a couple weeks ago. And it's interesting to me that President Trump actually mentioned cancel culture at Mount Rushmore on July 4th. He, he kind of talked about the fact that cancel culture uh, is, uh, well, it's essentially a form of fascism. And he said there's no place for that kind of intolerance in, in, in America. So I have dreams like that all the time. I have these just these dreams where God gives me insight about things that are going to happen. And I think cancel culture is going to backfire on the people that are using it. They're going to lose a lot of um, support from people because it's just, it's well, it's fascism. Come on. It's what it is. Anyway, so let me um, let me entertain you. No, I'm not going to entertain you. I might. Uh, let's get into our study. So a lot of people are not convinced that dreams are from God. And, uh, you know, if you just look through the Bible, you'll, you'll see tons and tons of examples of dreams. There are um, many, many passages, significant passages in the Bible that talk about dreams. Um, and there's instruction. Uh, from the Bible on dreams and on how to interpret them. Uh, let me just give you a couple of examples here. Ah, book of Job. So when Job was talking to his friends and they were harassing him about his, his woes and what a sinner he was, uh, Elihu actually made a good observation. He said, for God may speak in one way or another, yet man does not perceive it. The problem is not that God isn't speaking, it's that we do not perceive the ways in which God speaks. That's the problem. Not that he isn't speaking. He speaks through the still small voice, he speaks to us through our thoughts, he speaks through visions, he speaks through angels, and he speaks through dreams. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon man while slumbering on their beds, he opens their ears, he opens the ears of men, and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deeds, conceal pride from man. He keeps his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. So Elihu here is saying that God will actually give you instruction to save your life. Instruction on how to keep you from dangers. Warnings. I get warning dreams all the time. 
had a couple in the last month that are very uh, interesting, significant. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 25, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search a matter out. God conceals things. He conceals wisdom. He conceals the hidden wisdoms, the treasures of knowledge of the kingdom. He conceals them so that we can go and dig and find them and, and uncover them and understand them. Um, and a lot of people think that God is silent toward them and doesn't speak to them because he's indifferent toward them. He doesn't care about them. That's not true. God is not actually silent. He is always speaking. Most people who think that they're not hearing God actually are. They just don't recognize the ways in which he speaks. Uh, and, And he's always speaking. A lot of people have dreams and they don't know that God's speaking to them through their dreams. They're like, oh, God doesn't speak to me. He doesn't talk to me. You have dreams? I have dreams every night. Oh, really? Have you ever thought about interpreting them? Nah, you know, they don't mean anything. Well, actually, they do. Most people's dreams are from God. They are. And God's, when we perceive that God is silent, it's not that he, it's not that he's silent, and it's not that he is indifferent toward us. It's that he likes to conceal his the treasures of wisdom, so that we can go and find them. God wants us to develop a desire for his revelation. He wants us to work for it, to dig for it, to value it. And he wants us to uncover it. Hey, Cheryl, how you doing? And Pepper, (laughs) I'm not ignoring you. Um, So God is not, you know, God could speak clearly in a loud, booming voice to everybody if he wanted to. He could do that. He could speak in a loud voice that everyone would hear very clearly. But if he spoke in a loud, clear voice that everyone could hear, it would take away a lot of our um, freedom, uh, free choice. You know, if God is standing there next to you, just talk. Like when I when I got saved, actually. In 2000, I heard the voice of Jesus. I heard like an audible voice telling me, be nice to this person, be nice to that person, don't be a jackass, be kind, be polite. I heard the voice of God speaking to me. And I was like, okay, I'll obey that. <laughs> like, yeah, I got it, I hear you. If God was speaking to you in an audible voice, it would take away a lot of your freedom. It would take away your freedom to disobey God, for example, right? So God doesn't speak to most of us in an audible voice. He speaks to us through our conscience, that barely perceptible, those thoughts, like, oh, I I probably shouldn't do that. That's like not not a good thing to do. Like, I'm just getting convicted over this, not doing this. God speaks to us through conviction of our conscience. That's one way. Dreams, visions, uh, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And he speaks in subtle ways so as not to force us to obey him. We have a choice. He, he, he very highly values free choice. God wants us to have a choice. And that's why his communication is generally not the loud, booming voice. <laughs> a lot of people wish they would. You actually don't wish you, God would speak in a loud voice. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> it's... It's a little bit better to have um, have him speak subtly, and then you have a choice to obey. All right. So I'm going to read a couple of um, accounts of dreams from the Bible. Well, you know that Daniel, the prophet, and Joseph were both skilled in dream interpretation. They both said that dreams and their interpretations come from God. When I get an interpretation of a dream, or when Denise gets an interpretation of a dream, it's actually God giving us the interpretation. She and I will be sitting there (laughs) at the table. We used to do this a lot when we, when we first, when I first started having dreams. Denise has always been a dreamer, me not so much. When I started having dreams in 2008, 2009, we would get together in the morning and we'd sit down and talk about our dreams. And inevitably, as we were talking about the dreams, if we talk about my dream, 
she would get the interpretation. God would just download to her like that. He'd give her the interpretation of it. Or if she was telling me one of her dreams, God would give me the interpretation. Not always. Sometimes I would get interpretation of my dreams. Sometimes she would get one of hers. But as we talked about our dreams, God tend, tended, and still does, to give us the interpretation. I spend a fair amount of time thinking about my dreams during the daytime or talking about them. <laughs> if you know me, if you know me very well, you know that if you get around me, I'm going to start talking about the dreams that I've had. And, and the, one of the reasons why I talk about the dreams is I'm trying to get an understanding of what they mean. And when I, uh, when I verbalize them, when I talk about them out loud, it helps me get a little better understanding of what they mean. Sometimes just talking about it, externalizing it, the Holy Spirit will start connecting the dots on what the relevance of the, of the dream is. That's why I talk about my dreams uh, to people that I know. All right. So, in Genesis 28, Jacob fell asleep by the river. God came to him in a dream and gave him a number of covenant promises to bless him all of his days, to make a great family for him, to give him the land promised to Isaac and Abraham, and that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. Uh, when Joseph was put in jail, his cellmates had dreams from God. One of them had a dream that promised him freedom, and the other one had a dream that promised that he was going to die soon. And Joseph interpreted those dreams, the, the baker and the butler, I think. Pharaoh was warned in a dream about a coming famine that would last seven years. Joseph gave him the interpretation of the dream and said, build extra barns, save up the extra food over seven years. You're going to have seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And that was illustrated in a highly symbolic dream. And that's the thing about dreams is most people's dreams are highly symbolic and they don't understand them because they don't understand the some symbolic imagery God uses in dreams. Learning the symbols of dreams is very important. If you want to understand what God is saying, you have to learn the symbolic imagery. God appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, ask of me anything that you will and I'll give it to you. Solomon asked for wisdom to rule over God's people. And he didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for the, his, the heads of his enemies. So God gave him wisdom greater than anyone who lived. He also gave him honor and riches and a promise of a long life if he'd be obedient. When Solomon woke up, from, he realized all this happened in a dream. And that, when I think about Solomon's experience with God, it's very similar to the dream that I had where I met God and we were having this conversation and he asked me to pray for my patients. When Joseph learned that his wife, Mary, was pregnant, he considered leaving her, but an angel came to him in a dream and revealed that her pregnancy was a divine miracle and that he should fulfill his promise to marry her. Joseph was also warned in a dream about Herod's plan to kill Jesus, and he fled to Egypt, and then he was also warned again when he could, it was safe to return. So... A lot of the significant um, uh, events in the Bible were foretold through dreams. And that's just a small sample. There's so many more dreams in the Bible. I, I could just keep going. But uh, God does speak through dreams. Most dreams are highly symbolic. <clears throat> Not all dreams are from God. So some dreams are from our soul but i think that in most cases dreams that people have that they attribute to their soul are actually dreams from god a lot of people think that they're having soul dreams because they don't understand what the dream means well just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not from god <laughs> i have had so many dreams that i did not understand at the time and i thought wow oh, i wonder if that's a soul dream it doesn't make any sense to me and then a month later, I figured out, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I understand what the dream means. I, I get it now. Um, 
And soul dreams tend to be sort of uh, disjointed, a bit chaotic. Um, they don't appear to have a lot of continuity. And, and I think that probably most people don't have a lot of soul dreams. Sometimes you, you might. Then there's dreams from the enemy, dreams that are sent from demons. Um, I used to have quite a few dreams that were demonic in origin. In demonic dreams, a lot of times what you see, you see people wearing black clothing. You see a lot of dark, uh, things are kind of dark in color. Um, you see themes and emblems and symbology that is, that is dark. And then you have feelings. How you feel, the emotions you feel in a dream are a really good key to help you interpret the meaning of the dream. A lot of times when you have a dream from a, that's demonic in origin, you'll feel guilt, fear, shame, or some other negative emotion. The emotions you feel in a dream are a very good key to help you interpret where it came from and what the meaning is. Um, and then there's dreams from God. So dreams from God can, can take a lot of different, um, <laughs> take a lot of different forms. Most of the time, if you're gonna, if you have a dream from God, you're in an environment that is somewhat familiar to you, or talking to people who are familiar to you, or you're in a situation that is familiar to you. I have a lot of dreams where I'm in a familiar environment, or I'm either in a place I used to work or a place I used to live. Uh, if you're ever driving a car that you used to own, <laughs> right, or things things of that nature, hey, talking to people that you know, most dreams from God tend to have familiar subject matter. And that's because God uses a language that is familiar to us. Everybody has their own dream language. And one of the reasons why I really don't like interpreting other people's dreams is I don't know their dream language. God uses symbols, elements, uh, cities, people, locations, events, activities, that you are familiar with to give you revelation from about his kingdom. And I don't know where you live. I don't know what your work life is like. I don't know what your interest and your hobbies are. I don't know who people are. When, when somebody appears in a dream, I don't know what that person means to you. What's that relationship? It is somewhat difficult to interpret someone else's dreams because this, the elements that show up in a dream, people, places, um, things that you're doing, activities and, and environments, uh, locations, they all have a symbolic meaning. And I don't know what those things mean to you. I know what they would mean to me, right? So when I have dreams, a lot of my dreams are about Q because Q is something I'm very familiar with. I study Q posts every day. I have a lot of dreams about President Trump. Uh, I had a dream about General Flynn, not about General Flynn, but General Flynn showed up in a dream last night. And uh, that dream was about what took place at a place I used to work. Now, if you had a dream that took place at a place that you once worked at, then you got to start sifting through. Well, what does that mean? Uh, very simply, if you're driving a car that you once owned, Generally, it's not always, but generally, God is talking to you about events that happened at that time during your life. If you're, li if you're in a house that you once lived in, in a dream, generally speaking, God is addressing issues of your life that happened at that time you lived in that house, right? I have these recurring dreams about this place I used to work at about uh, 15 years ago, and there's some unresolved conflict <laughs> with that place I used to work at. So I continually have these recurring dreams about that place. And God is helping me address issues related to the time when I was working at that place. Right. So just as a, like I said, as a general rule, if you're in a place, in a job, in a car, in a house where that you used to live in, own, drive, work at, whatever. God is generally speaking to things that happened at that time. Now, if you have a dream that occurs in a house you're currently living in, or if you're driving a car you currently own, 
or if your dream is about a work environment that you are currently working in, God is addressing issues that are happening right now. He's addressing current day issues, right? Now, if you have a dream where you're driving a car you've never owned, a house you've never lived in, or a job you've never had, it's possible that God is illustrating things of the future. A car you have not yet owned, a house you are going to live in at some point, or a house that symbolizes a house you're going to live in, a house that represents a job you don't have yet. A lot of times those unfamiliar situations are God's actually portraying future events. And he's just giving you a heads up about things that are coming. Um, when you have a dream and a significant person shows up in the dream, many times that that person, if you're just if you're familiar with what they do for a living, what their calling is, what their gifting is, a lot of times that person's calling or gifting, God is talking to you to let you know you have a calling and a gifting similar to theirs. I've had a number of dreams about people like Dutch Sheets, <laughs> Chuck Pierce, uh, James Gall, uh, people who are writers and teachers uh, in, in, in the church. They have a prophetic gifting, a prophetic calling. Uh, so I, I know, I've known for a long time that I have a calling similar to theirs. Um, when I was writing this book, Hearing God's Voice Made Simple, I was actually having a lot of dreams about C.S. Lewis at that time, where not a dreams about him, just dreams where I would meet him and we'd be talking and he'd be giving me instruction on different things, right? So I, I understood that at that time, God was warning me or letting me know, you have a calling similar to that of C.S. Lewis, writer. So when, like I said, when a prominent person shows up in a dream, sometimes it's a clue that God wants you to kind of follow in that person's footsteps. You have a calling similar to theirs. Not exactly the same, but similar. Um, a lot of different elements in dreams are symbolic. So colors are highly symbolic. Uh, if you have a dream where you're living in a blue house, driving a blue car, <laughs> you're wearing blue clothing, right? you see this color blue repeating throughout the dream, you should maybe just go and look up the symbolic meaning of the color blue. And blue has a lot of different symbolic meanings. Um, generally, blue is the color of the sky, the color of the heavens. And a lot of times, blue things kind of speak of a heavenly calling, a heavenly anointing, uh, things of that nature. Purple tends to speak of royalty. It's just one of the symbolic meanings for purple. If you're wearing purple clothing, uh, in a dream, it could sim symbolize God's letting you know that he thinks of you as, as royalty. Uh, red, a lot of times, symbolizes the blood of Jesus, redemption. Um, and then there's gold and silver. Gold and silver are highly symbolic. Gold typically symbolizes deity and the Godhead. Uh, silver sometimes symbolizes redemption. Brass or bronze or copper can symbolize um, judgment. So metals, colors, all have symbolic meanings. Numbers are highly symbolic. Um, if you have a dream where numbers are appearing in the dream, write down the numbers and then get a good resource. Like Denise and I have the, the, a book called The Divinity Code, and The Divinity Code does a really good job in decoding numbers, colors, um, things of that nature, some, the s symbolic meaning of metals and uh, locations. Sometimes the city that you're in or the city that's mentioned in a dream is highly important. Here's an example. Years ago, I had a dream where I was signing up to attend a conference in Corpus Christi, Texas. It was a prophetic conference. And this was when I was kind of new to interpreting dreams and I didn't really know what this dream meant. <laughs> All right. Now, um, I, I just kind of thought about this dream over the course of about a week. And I was like, I started looking for conferences in Corpus Christi that I could sign up for. <laughs> like, oh, I, I don't want to miss this conference. I got to sign up for it. Because I thought it was a literal dream. I thought it was literally telling me I needed to sign up for this conference in Corpus Christi. And then about a week later, it dawned on me. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. Corpus Christi 
in Latin is the body of Christ. <laughs> this is a prophetic conference that I was supposed to sign up for. And then I realized, oh, all right, I get it, I get it. God was telling me that I have a calling to be a prophetic teacher to the body of Christ. That's what the symbol, symbolic meaning of Corpus Christi was about. So when, you, when a city shows up in a dream, consider the possibility that it has a symbolic meaning. Look up the name of the city. Look up the name of, of people. If you have a dream about, a, a recurring dream about a woman named Abigail, a friend maybe that you know whose name is Abigail, you might look up her name and see what it means. Uh, would you be surprised to learn that Abigail means uh, the Father's beloved? If, it could be that simply God is telling you that he sees you as his beloved child. Right. Many times, if a person in a dream is giving you a message, sometimes their name is the, me the actual message God is trying to get across to you. I've had a lot of dreams where I just, once I decoded the name of the person, looked up what their name means in Hebrew. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's cool. It's inside joke. God, has a, God also has a very good sense of humor. Sometimes he'll give you jokes and little funny little winks and nods through the names of people in dreams. Um, so, like I said, sometimes just look up the name of the person in the dream and it'll give you the interpretation. Well, dreams are highly symbolic, generally. Now, I, I for some reason, I have a lot of literal dreams. Not all, but quite a, quite a few of my dreams can be interpreted pretty much literally. Most people don't have a lot of literal, literal dreams. Um, but, you know, sometimes, um, you'll have a dream and you'll meet uh, a person and you'll have a, uh, an interaction with them. And then a couple of days later, you'll meet that actual person and have that same interaction you had in the dream. And wh whatever you saw in the dream, however that interaction went, sometimes God is just giving you a heads up. Hey, you're going to have an important meeting. This is what you're going to talk about. And this is how you need to handle the situation. Um, I had a, a dream several years ago where I was driving my car, a car that I actually owned at the time, and I was driving on a highway I actually drive drove to and from work. And I looked at the temperature gauge and the temperature gauge was way up on hot in the car. And that was the end of the dream. About four days later, I was driving that car on that road and the temperature gauge went all the way up on hot because I had blown the water pump uh, and overheated the engine and cracked the, uh, the cylinder head. God was warning me that I should take the car in and get the timing belt fixed and get because the timing belt blew, then the water pump blew. Uh, and if I had taken that dream and taken the car in and got it fixed, I probably could have saved myself a couple thousand dollars. So. Sometimes dreams are literal. They're literal warnings. I have those kind of dreams a lot where God will warn me about a certain person that's going to come into my life that poses a threat or they have some impure wrong motive. They'll come in, try to be friendly. And in the dream, I'll, I, God will just expose, show me what their real intention is. And then I know, okay, well, I'm going to avoid that person because... <laughs> I kind of know what their what their game is, and then sure enough, within a week or two, they'll show up uh, on Twitter or Facebook, and, and they'll want to interact with me, and I will politely decline because God has already shown me what their real agenda is. If you highly value your dreams, God will show you really interesting things, incredible uh, things that that you can do that He wants you to do. A lot of people don't understand their calling, their purpose in life, their gifting, because they've never really asked God. And God can show you all of those things through dreams. He can show you books you're going to write. He can show you companies that you're going to start. He can show you films you're going to make. Um, he will show you things that are beyond your ability to comprehend. And it's up to you to decide whether you want to do them or not, whether you want to obey and walk in them or not. I've God has shown me some really incredible things, and some of them I've been too intimidated, like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pass on that for now. <laughs> That's a little bit too big for me. But you, we limit what we can do.
because we choose not to receive God's revelation and or we choose not to walk in it. And you will be blessed if you learn how to interpret God's revelation and learn how to walk in it. Uh, hey, there's Lisa. <laughs> What's going on, grasshopper? <laughs> Haven't seen you in a while. Demons, when they appear in dreams. Uh, Melody, this woman who taught the, the dream workshop that Denise attended, she had a series of dreams where she was confronted by this demonic being. And in the dream, this demon would come after her and attack her with like a sword and it would just slice her and dice her and she would get killed in the dream. Uh, that happened, it was a recurring dream, <laughs> just kept happening. She'd be in this dream and this demon was there with a sword and she'd try to defend herself and she wouldn't have any weapons and she would just get sliced and diced and that'd be it, you're dead, over, until the next time. And then <laughs> a little while later she'd have another dream. Well, eventually, um, she learned to look around her and she would find like a stick. So the first time she'd pick up a stick and try to defend herself with a stick and she'd fend off a couple of the blows of the demon, but eventually she'd get killed. And then that next time she had a, a slightly better weapon. Um, she'd use it to defend herself, but she'd still get killed. The next time she'd have a slightly better weapon. She'd use that to defend herself, but she'd still end up dead. This recurring series of dreams happened over and over again for over the course of months. Finally, in the last dream, uh, the demon comes at her and she has a lightsaber. <laughs> she takes that lightsaber and just zoom, 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 slices up the demon and that was the end of those dreams. Those dreams, st she stopped having them. A lot of people have dreams where they're being chased by a group of people. Chased down an alley, chased in a car by a group of people who are trying to kill you, trying to rub you out, trying to intimidate you, whatever. Uh, dreams where you're being attacked by the enemy. They're symbolic, but that's the meaning of the dream. The enemy is eating your lunch. The enemy is attacking you and you are defenseless and you are afraid and you're running and you don't have any safety and you don't have any strength, you don't have any weapons. These, these are dreams about spiritual warfare. If you're a Q follower and you notice that Q keeps on posting that verse from Ephesians 6 about spiritual warfare, take up the full armor of God, right? That's what those dreams are. Those dreams are illustrating what happens if you do not have the armor of God on. If you don't have the shield of faith to fend off the blows of the enemy, what is the shield of faith? All right, the shield of faith is not the shield of fear, <laughs> it's the shield of faith. And a lot of people say, oh, I put on the armor of God. And the first time they have a demonic encounter, they run away crying, screaming, terrified, oh, get out of here. Well, that's not exactly um, walking in faith, that's walking in fear. So when you think about the armor of God, okay, the shield of faith is a shield and it's made and it's made of faith and your faith protects you from the attacks of the enemy the more you walk in faith which is confidence confidence in god confidence in your identity in christ the more you walk in faith the more you, those attacks from the enemy are just obliterated you don't even notice them I used to be attacked by the enemy all the time. Ten years ago, I had demonic attacks all the time. I had demons come in at night and they'd paralyze me in my sleep and I couldn't move. Uh, I'd have demonic attacks, I'd have back pain. Spirits of pain come and attack me. I had, when I started operating in the supernatural, dreams and visions and healing, and I had attacks all the time. But I learned, I learned that if I stand in faith, if I trust in God, if I know my identity in Christ, and I know who I am, and I know who's backing me up, and I know that if I just stand against um, 
Resist the enemy and he will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. That's what it is. If you resist the devil, if you resist those attacks, when they come at you, if you resist them, put up a fight against them, fight back. Uh, eventually those attacks will slow down and then they'll stop. I very seldom do I have demonic attacks anymore. Uh, I used to have people astral projecting into my house. I used to have all kinds of crazy stuff. And I learned to defend myself. Somebody astral projects into my house, and I can usually see them. Uh, I go after them, and then they don't come back. <laughs> um, it's learning to defend yourself. Your, your body your, is your castle, and you have to defend it. And the shield of faith is one way that you put up a defense against the enemy. The enemy preys on fear, right? The enemy w w attacks you because he's trying to get you to operate out of fear. Well, what's the opposite of fear? Faith, confidence. So if you learn to just have confidence in who you are, confidence in your identity, that's the shield of faith. And that is what takes down, blocks out, the fiery darts of the enemy, the attacks. And that's just one of the one aspect of the armor of God. Uh, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. So you can look into all those things. But uh, thank you, Pepper, for that little uh, rabbit trail. <laughs> uh, it, when, if you're having those dreams where you're being attacked, you're being run down, you're being... Uh, followed by people, God is illustrating <clears throat> that you have an issue with, with fear and that you're not standing up against the enemy. And the enemy is attacking you, is taking advantage of you. The enemy has some strength over you. And you, God is calling you to understand your identity, understand who you are, walk in faith, not fear, not doubt. And if you do that on a more regular basis, those dreams will likely end. You'll see, you'll, their dreams will change and you'll start attacking the enemy. When the enemy comes at you, instead of you running, you'll be attacking them. Uh, that's usually the progression. When, when you have those dreams, as you start walking in faith, your dreams will change correspondingly. Now, let me tell you about this recurring dream that I've been having about this place I worked at 10 or 15 years ago. So, when I started having these dreams, I started having these dreams a long time ago. I had a lot of fear. Frustration. Um, discouragement. Confusion. In the dreams. Those are the feelings that I felt. As I was showing up at work and I was like, oh crap. Because I, I was like, oh man, I can't be working here. I'm like, oh, this is horrible. These people hate me. I hate them. There was just all this tension and fear and uh, confusion. Like I'd be walking around the place, I wouldn't know where I w where it was. Where's the ambulance is at? Where are the fire trucks? Where do I? Where am I supposed to put my gear? It was just confusion and fear and frustration. And I've had this recurring dream, and every time I have this dream, this it's different. I had a dream again last night. <clears throat> In this dream. Um, the person at the top, I'm not going to say what their title was. The person at the top of the organization has always been kind of a manipulative, um, deceitful, dishonest person. And I'd always kind of, uh, not only, not only despised them, but kind of feared them. In the dream last night, General Flynn ends up working at the place I was working at. And they totally screwed up his employment. They lied about him, his name. They lied about his background. They lied about a lot of things that involved him. And uh, I was in the dream. I was like, wow, you guys are really screwed up. Like you're, you have all this information wrong about General Flynn. And in the dream, I was thinking, this is crazy because General Flynn worked his entire career in the military. He didn't work at this place, but they were telling everybody he worked there. And, uh, and I actually saw him in the dream. And then, so I'm, I'm at this place and I'm going around and instead of being this like intimidating place, it seemed like a high school. And it seemed like all the people that were there were kind of like high schoolish, kind of childish, kind of um, not very mature. And 
I ended up running into the boss and he was in his office and I walked in there and I was just bold and confident as could be. I started calling him out and calling him a clown. I was like, you really have a clown operation here. Like what the heck is going on? This is like a high school. Um, it, the, the tables were to totally turned. My attitude was different. I felt different. Uh, the boss looked and appeared very sheepish and kind of embarrassed at what was going on. He wanted to get away from me. He didn't want to have a conversation with me. Um, I didn't feel uh, intimidated or, or fearful. I felt very confident being there. Like, wow, this is, place is a joke. Like, why would anyone be intimidated or, or fearful in this place? That's an example of how um, God has been healing me of some of the junk that happened while I worked there. I worked there for a long time. And I have gained a different perspective on that, on those events and those people. And as my heart has changed and as I've received some healing and gotten a different perspective on that time in my life, I keep having the dream and God changes the scenery and changes the interaction to correspond with the changes that are happening in me, right? So when you have recurring dreams, just realize God is, he's showing you changes that either are taking place or changes that need to take place. If you're in a place, in a situation where you're just getting owned by people and you're humiliated and you're frustrated and you're frightened, just realize God is trying to address probably the emotional trauma that happened at that place at that time. And he wants you to get healed of the emotional trauma so that you can walk in confidence and freedom later on. And as you do that, you'll, your, the dreams will change and you'll see yourself differently. You'll see the situation differently. Uh, that's, it's, that's a really good illustration of the way God speaks to us through dreams. I put my glasses on. See if anybody has any questions I can answer. Uh, phone numbers can be relevant. Um, so, you know, I journal my dreams. I have a little stack of cards and a pen and a little flashlight on my nightstand. And I always write down my dreams at night. Uh, write them down. Uh, not a bad idea to consider transferring them into a Word document, uh, Word processor, so you can then, it becomes a searchable um, document. Uh, phone numbers can be relevant. Uh, cities can be relevant. Names of people can be relevant. All right. Good question. If you're not having dreams, how can you start having them? You have not because you ask not. Uh, ask, seek, and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. So part of the key to receiving dreams is asking. You should just ask God for dreams. Uh, that's kind of what I did. I, I was like, well, I haven't had dreams in 25 years. Yeah, I, I'm open to it. I'd like to have dreams. I opened my heart. I opened myself up to receiving dreams from God, and he started giving them to me. So you need to develop a heart that wants to receive what God wants to give you. Having the right heart, having the right attitude is huge. And when you start having dreams, be a good steward of your dreams. Write them down. Interp find the interpretation. Go through the Bible or get a good book on dream interpretation. James Gall has a good book. I think um, Understanding the Dreams You Dream by Ira Milligan. Ira Milligan, fine Irish boy, wrote a good book on dreams. Uh, that's a good dream, good book on dream interpretation. Divinity Code is a good book on dream interpretation. I take my dreams really seriously. That's why I have a ton of books on dream interpretation. You can go through the Bible and look at um, various elements that are in the scriptures. A lot of the prophetic books, like the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, images that you see in dreams, they're actually explained in the Bible. That, Like the angels tell these people, look, you see this and this is what it means. So a lot of the um, interpretations of symbol symbolic imagery can be found in the Bible. Um, develop a passion for dreams. Ask God to, to give you dreams. Write them down when you have them or record them. Some people use a recording device. Be a good steward. And 
obey whatever it is that God is showing you in the dream, obey it. If he is calling you to a, a particular ministry, gifting, calling, a type of operation, a job, obey it. As you obey the revelation that God gives you, he will give you more. Um, obedience is huge in receiving revelation. If you're, if God is giving you visions and, and giving you revelation, be a good faithful steward and be obedient. As you obey, you'll get more. Uh, all right, let's see if there's anything else. Do I ever keep dreams to myself? Yes. It is very important to learn what dreams to share and what dreams not to share. That was a big mistake Joseph made. Joseph had dreams about his brothers and Big Mouth Joseph had to go and tell the dreams to his brothers and they understood the interpretation. They all thought, oh, oh, Joseph, you're greater than us. You're the youngest brother, but you're the best of, all, of everyone. They taunted Joseph, his brothers did, because he told them his dreams and he should have kept them to himself. <laughs> I have had to learn um, how to keep dreams to myself. There are some things that I know that God will show me that are for public consumption. There's a lot of dreams that I have that are not for public consumption. So you have to use wisdom and knowing what to share and what not to share and who to share it with. Some dreams I'll share with just a couple people and other dreams I'll share with everybody. And there are some dreams I don't share with anyone. Uh, that is, that's just learning wisdom. Uh, sometimes angels appear in dreams. I have seen and heard angels in dreams speaking. Uh, it's not that unusual. Um, sometimes uh, Denise has dreams where Jesus will appear. She's on her birthday. She actually has had Jesus appear in dreams at, on two or three different occasions on her birthday. Uh, it's really cool when Jesus makes an appearance in a dream. Uh, and usually when Jesus appears in a dream, it's not just you dreaming about Jesus. He's actually there. He is making, it's called a, uh, a visitation, right? When, when Jesus appears in a dream, generally you're having an actual visitation with him. He's there with you. Sometimes you can feel his presence. You can feel the glory. Um, I've, I've felt that at times. Alrighty. Well, it looks like the battery is dying on my phone, <laughs> so I'm going to have to end this broadcast. I hope this message has encouraged you. Please keep me and Denise in prayer. Keep Q and the team in prayer. Keep the president in prayer. Love you all. Take care. And I will catch you on the next broadcast.